what is up everybody welcome back to the drunk turkey show and today we have a fun one one that i've been waiting for all week i'm in blue are you guys drinking tonight i know i am Hyman, we'll start off with you you're gonna drink tonight um yeah i'm, I'm drinking i'm drinking a root beer with a little bit of um, old smoky whiskey in there man. Oh, nice man. nice yes. i'm all, i'm also drinking a root beer but mine is spiked it's a uh a roadhouse root beer um a hard root beer it is uh eight percent holy smoke i didn't read this it was eight it's eight percent alcohol which is like twice as much as your average beer uh before we get into it guys i do want to remind you guys of our partnership with data seal if you have some concerns with your privacy whether it's your name phone number your address any of those type of things your voting preference i know that's important to some folks your religious preference check out data seal they have a great team that goes out into the interweb and take care of all of that personal information that's out there. I know that I recently looked at my you know, information on the web and I couldn't believe how much stuff was there. So go check yours out. If you're concerned, hit the link in the description, you get a 5% off. It's also for the replay crew. It's also in the uh, uh, link to the top, pinned at the top of the message. But we have a great show. We're gonna be talking with John Stewart. He is the uh, former um, candidate for Illinois governor and has been in the uh, respected researcher in the UFO, UFO community for some time now. Welcome to the show, John. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me, guys. Been a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. I, I'm glad you you made it. Um, I, I saw you on a couple of uh, different YouTube channels, one being Redacted, uh, another one being Alien Addict. And I was like, man, we got to get this guy on the show. He, he knows his stuff. Uh, so thank you for 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 taking the time. Uh, oh, my, my pleasure. Sincerely, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure when some somebody will uh, listen to your views and your journey. And uh, this is part of my therapy of, you know, kind of uh, getting rid of the PTSD from my five-year investigation and kind of clearing the hallways of my brain. And and uh, mm -hmm. so I can be able to further um, you know, talk about it to other people. And, um, and it's, and it's always a sincere pleasure to be on podcasts like this to people that are sincerely interested in, in just hearing my investigation, which is all I'm here to do. I'm not here to sell anybody anything. I'm not here to get your credit card number for a like or a <laughs> click or anything. I am simply here to say, here is what I found, do what you want with the information. Nice. True story. Thank you. Right. And, well, and the, the big story that was going on, in reference to those uh, those channels that you know i found very interesting was that you were talking about a 19 was it 1997 i know it was filmed in 91 but i think released in 97 of uh, a alien interview from roswell now before we get into that uh i believe it took place in a subdivision of area 51 called s2 which is different from area s4 and i guess sub compartments of area 51 can you explain that first of all it was not roswell this was uh, oh yeah that's uh, right i'm sorry that's right. That's right. Um, uh, this was a thought projection interview filmed by the Defense Intelligence Agency for the Department of Naval Intelligence. The, the DIA runs the entire what's called the Alien Retention and Interrogation Program. And this uh, was filmed in April 22nd, this clip that we have of 1991, showing an um, EBIN, uh, extraterrestrial biological entity, uh, a gray, uh, calling this one the uh, the other gray, because this was not gray, does not have the almond eyes shape of a, of a traditional gray. This was a, a haploid, which had, it carried only one sexual chromosome, and it came from the Tau Teddy star system, if I'm saying that correctly. It was uh, brought to the facility in 1989. Many people think it was from the 89 Kalahari crash in South uh, South Africa. Still have not gotten any conf confirmation of that, but I do find that coincidental, like many other researchers. Much too many people surprised. This was not filmed at S4. It was filmed at an underground facility 
you know, blocks from S4 Underground uh, called S2 Alpha. And S2 Alpha, um, we have the FOIA uh, uh, request that it was actually built in uh, 1982. Um, and uh, next to it is the pathology for American, United States American Pathology Center, which I find, why would you have a pathology center all the way out, you know, in the middle of the desert? Well, we know why, because we know what they're, they're, what kind of tissue they're studying. You know, I hate calling it a, uh, a, a interrogation because it's uh, these beans use and use thought projection. Uh, you know, you they know the question you're going to ask and they know the answer they're going to give you. And that's kind of put into your head as you, as you confront these beans in their personal space and, and begin to interact with them mentally and that's it so i guess we'll move from there but yes this that's the whole premise of this video and the creature does get into respiratory distress into the video and to medics as we now know doctors come to tend to the creature and we've got their the, the doctor's names and there was also um uh the cameraman uh four other military people and two telepaths watching this being behind a pane of glass in a ring seating area uh, watching this uh, thought projection Q and A, and we have their names also. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, so yeah. you said that the uh, creatures were asexually. Did they? Are you aware if they procreated normally or asexually? Or you said that they had only one chromosome. Uh, did they procreate asexually? Did they procreate at all? Were they? Are you aware if these were completely uh, biological? Or was there any type of mechanical component to their being? It's almost a foregone conclusion between military uh, intelligence insiders and people that have been read into these programs um it's it's uh conclusively agreed upon with people like dr stephen greer and and uh and other people that have are in the know that the grays are a kind of hybrid humanoid um android type uh type of being. They're not sentient, but they do have biological tissue and organs, but they also are also come with or, you know, are designed or or created tronic or, you know, micro uh, processing and, and, and all types of, uh, of things that you would need uh, for uh, their brain capacity to communicate te te telepathically to control the craft because the crafts are controlled via their brains through a, some sort of a headset and headgear. And we've knew, known this since 1947. Uh, some of the grays do reproduce um, via coitus. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they do have a, the males, male grays um, have a, an appendage that uh, protrudes during um, again, coitus uh, or sexual intercourse. And, uh, and then um, we feel, we have been told that uh, there are many types of uh, grays too that are basically in vitro or, you know, test tube um, and, and they're grown, yeah. lab grown, um, hence, uh, you know, their, their android status. And, and Dr. Stephen Greer is emphatic on this, on, on this fact. And so are a lot of other military people. And even though they can bend time and, um, you know, we're, where the famous, where you take a piece of paper and you put it, if it's space, you put it down against each other. And that's how they traverse space at times. They are like the messengers, the worker bees, um, the, the explorers that are sent down to earth and to do the work of abduction and, and um, uh, monitoring and testing and, and scientific work and whatnot. And uh, we feel that they are uh, that because of their android status, that is one of the reasons that they can adapt to uh, any kind of travel in space. And they have a very hard time in our gravity. They can breathe oxygen. They can live on our gravity, but it's very, very heavy from their natural habitat, which is very, you know, desert-like and and uh, and very bright. And I find that funny that they chose New Mexico as their 
one of their first, mm. you know, yeah. uh, places to, you know, crash. And because people think that the crashes were intentionally caused in 47, I don't, but they seem to seem to be in the desert a lot. And I find that very, very, very interesting. So you said that they were, um, I got two questions that you said that mm -hmm. they were half or, or hybrid humans. So my question is, do they depend on humans to continue to develop? And or also, um, you said that there's a, quite a few greys. Do those greys have like a common ancestor? Are they part of the same race that has spread across the galaxy? These are termed in one term, <clears throat> epiloids. And um, I didn't. I, I, I want to correct you. I did not say that the greys are uh, part human. Uh -huh. um, however, however, when I was uh, with the military intelligence insider who was showing me pictures, on the bottom of the pictures were file were numbers P forty seven thousand, P thirty three thousand. This is bizarre what I'm about to say. And I said we have thirty seven thousand aliens in captivity. He's like, no, P thirty seven thousand means thirty seven thousand years into our future. But on hmm. my coffee, I'm like, what? And he's like, yes, this you know some of these beings can travel interdimensionally. They are from our future. Um. Extraterrestrials are deemed extraterrestrials if they come from the human lineage, from the planet Earth or the human, you know, basic DNA lineage. They are term, they are uh, uh, deemed extraterrestrials. If you come from another star system, another galaxy, you have no human DNA, ancient human DNA inside of you. You are termed uh, as an alien. Um, oh. as bizarre as that sounds, but that's how the United States government. Hmm. And so that's what David Grush was coughing on his words in Congress was that he did not want to tell Congress that these were some of these were interdimensional beings. And we've proven that theory theoretically that you can travel into the time travel is possible. Uh, physicists totally believe that now. So this is not a crazy analysis. The problem is we can't, we don't know how you can go into the past. They have figured that out. And just like I tell people, like, you know, in the 1850s, who went to the Amazon to explore? Thrill seekers? Sure. Vacation people or adventure seekers? Sure. Biologists? Yes. Map cartographers? Sure. Um, archaeologists? Yes. Anthropologists? Yes. You know, we are the indigenous tribe in the Amazon, and these beings are, you know, the British, the British explorers coming into our into our uh, ecosystem. And for a lot of people, that's an ego deflation. I've, you know, John Stewart's no longer on the top of the food chain, and I understand that now. That I, I have been created, and I have been manipulated. I am speaking for the human race. It says it in the Bible. It says it in the Quran, and the beings tell us that, you know. So I'm going to go against the Bible and extraterrestrials, and and um and you know and just like in the Amazon in the 1800s, just like the Department of Natural Resources now, where they where they tag and monitor and of of, of animals in the in the wild, you know, the same thing is happening to us. We're being tagged, some abductees. Um, we're having semen and ovaries taken, and they are creating some sort of bizarre hybrid race. One, one abductee after another has been told this, has been shown this. Um, so you know, this is a very very, very deep subject that's that's going on. Uh, you know, I don't know whether to be afraid or whether be to, to be exhilarated, but I'm certainly yeah. keeping my eyes open and, and questioning everything um, from what I have been told, briefed in, saw, and now with Congress bringing out in the open, you know, I mean, we actually had a person in Congress saying aliens are real. We have craft. People have been murdered to cover up the secret. I don't really think people realize what was actually said in Congress in, back in June. Um, it was startling. No, yeah, I watched the majority of it. I went through it probably about two or three times. It was very interesting.
before you view the video, what were your thoughts and uh, uh, and opinions about you know extraterrestrials and UFOs? Were you always a believer? He's a believer. Yes, sir. Oh. Um, I was always open-minded, always interested in paranormal and conspiracies and whatnot, even as a little kid. Would follow every documentary. And th those conspiracy alien documentaries started coming out in the early 70s on mm -hmm. programs like In Search Of and, and um, Eric Von Daniken's Fingerprints of the God, Chariots of the God. Those came out in the 70s. So I was always a big... Uh, a voracious appetite for that because I believed in it because mm -hmm. I, I believe that there was a bigger picture of what just the, the Christian Catholic church was telling us, or, and I believe that these stories, these bizarre outlandish stories in the Bible, um, you know, if you just moved angel at times to alien, it all made sense. Yeah. You know, no, the, the first chapters definitely. of the Bible say something came down from the heavens. They made it with females on earth, produced this progeny called an aphelium. So why are we judging it now when a lady from, you know, uh, Austin, Texas says she was abducted and impregnated and they took her child and she was sown her child. And why, why do we question people now, but we don't question Palestinian Middle East people 4,000 years ago, what they wrote. We have no idea who they were. We don't fact check them. We take package of ideas and beliefs at face value. And we believe in these people from 4,000 years ago. I, I'm not condemning them. I'm just speaking yeah. the facts. We yeah. believe in what these people wrote and believed in 4,000 years ago so vehemently that even we're willing to be displeasurable to somebody that doesn't believe what we believe. And in some cases, actually willing to kill that person for their beliefs. No, yeah. I mean, even kind of strange. Like, like nowadays, you look back like you said, to the writings of the Bible to ancient Egypt, right? And you see all the the stories and the hieroglyphics and everything. And then it doesn't seem too wild, uh, no, far-fetched now that you, you know, they're just slowly leaking some of the information out, you know? You know, I asked I, I, the, the greatest guys, use this in your life, use this in your profession as podcasters and looking at the government and, and, and conspiracies or cover-ups or things that don't feel right. The, the, the greatest question I've ever had and I've developed for the past five years is, why? You know, when you look at Gobekli Tepe, which is a the oldest astro art, uh, uh, geologic ritual site in the world, 14,000 years ago, when children mortality rate was 70%, worried about dying, being eaten by animals. People are dying left and right to you. You're living in a cave. You're eating raw food and, and roots and, 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 and dying of dysentery and disease and falling off of cliffs as a, as a cave person, let's say, or a Neanderthal. And in all of this, where you're eating raw meat, people are dying. You're worried about being an animal's meal. Mm -hmm. A group of, group of Neanderthals or, or homo sapiens in Turkey said, you know what? Stop and take these huge sandstone blocks, carve them, even though we don't have tools. And, you know, these 10 ton blocks, let's carve them. Let's position them. Let's position them to true north. I don't even know what true north is. <laughs> but 14,000 years ago, these people that were just barely surviving created this astronomical um geologic formation i mean you know the pyramids why why would you build a pyramid i mean if you were an egyptian why go through that toil what what, what to keep the people busy i, I guess whatever we found the, the the pyramids were sealed up they've served no purpose to modern man and my question is why why are there pyramids on every continent before ocean travel before transcontinental travel 10,000 years ago why are there pyramids on every single continent just tell me that. You don't have to, you know, any archaeologist, you don't have to go into some long story. Tell me how 
and why someone eking out a living, raw meat, killing its prey, half all around them, scared out of their minds, are going to build a temple in the middle of Central America. And then when you say, well, you know, aliens could have come down from a, a, a more advanced civilization, it clicks. It has to click to any normal human being to go, oh, well, that's got to be it because how could someone 14,000 years ago know about summer, winter equinox, the position of the sun, true north? Here's, a, here's a, I'll leave it at this. Of the Pyramid of Giza, and I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to give the, the, the gist. The base of the Pyramid of Egypt, uh, in, in, of Gaza, is exactly the circumference if you times it by pi, you know, the, 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 the number that every, you know, has been used for in antiquity is the circumference of the globe. Why would you build a pyramid five, 6,000 years ago, the circumference of the globe, when everyone believed at that time, the globe was flat. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> You'd say that to an archeologist and it's, ah, oh, ah, you know, you get, you get, you know, you get more no, excuses than a guy going to jail. You know? I had a weird uh, question. Like, uh, I just saw previous to the new Joaquin Phoenix movie, Napoleon, and I didn't know that he tried destroying some of those pyramids by uh, shooting cannons he, at him. He, he took cannon to the pyramids and to the Sphinx that we believe he's the one that shot off the nose of the Sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do, you, do you know why? It was in a Nas song. It was in a Nas song. I, I, I swear. I, it's in I, It's in a Nas song. <laughs> I can't... Uh, uh, I don't want to go into Napoleon's mind because he's a bizarre, <laughs> a bizarre person from history. But yeah, I have no, yeah. I have no idea why did why he tried to do that. So you you mentioned that um, the aliens can be on Earth. They can, you know, they struggle with the gravity. Some um, of them, yes, some of them. There's no, they don't have any issues with our germs or microbiology or bacteria or things of that nature. Okay, sorry. Do they wear clothes? Like uh, I've, everybody always pictures them in naked for whatever reason. Right. Um, do do they actually wear something? Is that just common misbelief? Well, from Victor, the biologist, the government biologist, who was the whistleblower, said that they removed all microbiology, microbial um, bacteria from their body, but they are still susceptible to contamination from being on Earth. And he, clearly, we see this with this beam when it starts having a respiratory coughing effect. This is what Victor said. As far as the clothing, um, I'll give two stories. Uh, one from a, a Roswell. A Roswell a witness and one from one of my military intelligence is that these suits were were skin tight some were shiny some were nude color no zippers no patches and the the updated story from my whistleblower uh military intelligence whistleblower and i believe from philip corso uh, who wrote the day after Roswell and was the one of the military people that gave, supposedly gave some of the technology found in Roswell to corporations um that the suits were actually is as much as the government believes, actually woven onto the creatures, hmm. like like spun like a cocoon onto the creatures. And they found the same thing with a lot of the craft that the craft were designed and layered at the molecular level. And that's when the government kind of gave up of trying to mimic the technology of of these these uh, extraterrestrial vehicles. And in the woven of these of these layers of, of bismuth, which was one of the biggest metal components of a lot of these craft, were actually fibers. And they are, and our government still to this day. Are from what I have been told, is completely still perplexed seven years later how you layer metal at the molecular level and actually weave metal fiber in in, in that same process. Um, yeah, that sounds very sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that sounds almost impossible, but you know, I guess impossible. Yeah, I guess you know the stuff that we have today would seem almost impossible to to human beings a couple thousand years ago, right? Well, that's a great so, point. I tell everyone if John Stewart showed up in 1810 with all the modern technology now, a laptop, a CD-ROM, um, uh, you know, a car, 
you know, electronics. Uh, they would think that I, I was a demon and I was from somewhere off in the universe or I, I was magical or not even exist. I mean, can you imagine explaining a CD-ROM to somebody in 1815? I don't even understand it now. You know, a light reads this plastic thing. Well, what is plastic? Uh, okay, what's a laser? Uh, let me explain. You know, think about it. Same, same thing here. You know, it's funny because there's, there's so much ego involved in this whole phenomenon from the special effects people not admitting, you know, not wanting to admit maybe they couldn't make a doll this good back in 91 to the scientists who have an ego deflation dealing with these beings because these beings have concepts that the smartest people in the world still can't understand to other UFO researchers, this huge ego problem. What, what I'm, my point I'm getting at is that, well, they defy the fit. They defy physics. This is impossible that they could thought project a point in the universe and then they go to it in a matter of seconds uh, interdimensionally. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's impossible to the physics that we know in 2023. Have the mm -hmm. physics from 1890 changed from 2023 of our knowledge? Okay. Yes. And it's going to keep changing. So we don't know all there is to know about all of the all of the theoretical uh, modalities of physics. So it's impossible to us to what our knowledge is now. And I, th I want people to understand that, that, you know, these, these, some of these uh, physicists, um, you know, really pissed me off. <laughs> Get a hold of your ego. You know, yeah. it's what you know um, now in 23, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, they're, they're on a different plane, maybe, you know, from 5,050. And I'm sorry, mm. that's hard for you to accept, Mr. Physicist. Right, right. You mentioned something sense. about, yeah, it, it does. You mentioned that like the metal of the uh, craft were like woven at the molecular level. Have, right. have you ever heard of like um, James, have you heard of James Fox? I, I have heard of James Fox. He's the one that did the, uh, the Brazilian alien. Yes, yes. He, he also said that there was a, um, a footage from somebody named Chuck Clark who had obtained he had obtained footage from two two guys that were out in you know nevada and near oh, roswell yeah and, yeah and they went out there and there was an orange craft and he right. described that what he saw on camera that the craft had a bio almost like a um like a living skin on it and that it was um almost alive have you have you heard anything like that but i've heard people describe it as luminescent like mother of pearl looking um like looking into the desert and the mirage you know the, the the refraction of the heat on the desert floor i find it funny that the family in las vegas that was supposedly witnessed the crashed ufo said they were looking at the ufo but it was distorted the field mm -hmm. was distorted and uh, Dr. Greer thinks that this is because there's, there's so much electricity. The, the gravity waves uh, are so massive and so powerful that it, it 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 distorts the the vision of the craft in our atmosphere. But more importantly, is that there are many people that have told me that the craft is almost like a the, the metal is almost like a living, breathing tissue, and that is why these beings can control this craft with their with with a headset device and their brain. So hmm. it, again, it, it's it, you know it's not metal the way we think in the term of metal of you know molten steel coming out of a foundry and in nazareth pennsylvania you know this is this is like a breathing living organism as best i can hmm. describe it interesting yeah i think maybe the only logical explanation i can come up with something like that is they have been able to combine machine with bio biology exactly. and you know maybe perhaps you know how we're in experimenting with like creating organs and things of that nature is it possible right. that they're 
at the at the ability to create consciousness or a brain yeah. and attach it to a vehicle. Yeah, and people roll their eyes about you know all the skins about you know biological living breathing you know, and 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 what do you mean and you know biology and electronic. Well, we're doing that now with Neuralink and Elon Musk yeah. implanting. We're trying to implant things into our brain that can mm -hmm. navigate and operate with our brain. We're doing it now in 2023. The human right. race is combining biology and nanotechnology. We can't even thin out traffic at a Dodgers game, <laughs> and we're and we're experimenting with nanotechnology in you know in a living organism. So stop rolling your eyes. We're almost we're almost there. We're we're getting close to a lot of stuff, especially in biomedical engineering. I oh, saw, it's incredible. I saw a, a video the other day of a story that they made a uh, biomedical like kidney mm -hmm. to be able to function. Oh, yeah, three D printing organs. That's you know um, that that's you know that, that it's uh, the organ transplant industry with three D printing and uh, I'm not I'm not mixing up my words with three D printing. They think they're going to be able to three D print organs at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the the, the the this kidney, this artificial um, biometric biomedical kidney is 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 nearing. You know, it for trials yeah. and whatnot. So yeah, heard, it's it's great that you brought that up. Yeah. That I'm that I'm I'm impressed that you that that, that you you noted that for for the alien uh, and alien connotation. But yeah, it's what we are um, on the cusp of is is incredible. So anybody that rolls their eyes about what I'm talking about, I mean, have you looked around your world? It's pretty incredible. Yeah, we have a lot of yeah. stuff out there coming out as uh, companies are developing, people are developing, and things are going to change in the next ten years. You'll see. I mean, I heard that they're also there's a place that's already putting in requests to get approved uh, the flying car theory, and you know. People are yeah. putting orders in, so things will change eventually. Yeah, can I? Can I? I just thought I've not talked about this on any podcast except for one, and very briefly. Well, why hasn't the government given us all the secrets and technology that they've learned from the aliens and extraterrestrials? And and I I I I, I say to this is, do you want everyone in the world to know what the future is? Think about that. What I'm saying. One of the basic things the aliens can do is you know see into the future and however they do that do you want mm -hmm. that technology given to everyone everyone on the planet is going to know when their life ends their child's life ends when their business partner is cheating them when their spouse is unfaithful when you know somebody is doing something to them when the, you know everything in the future i mean this world would go mad and and i'm one of the few ufo researchers that believe that is not such a i i i I, I use kick gloves with the government. I understand to some point and to some level that there's a threshold of what they can perpetuate and promulgate into the world. And, you know, flying cars, do you want, do we really want every single person that drives a car now in America to be able to drive a car over our heads in the sky? And I say that jokingly, but think about it. Do you want a drunk driver now flying over your sky that can hit you know, crash into your house instead of just crash into a light pole. I mean, there are serious consequences of of releasing this technology, you know, in, in the world. Not that they want to be secretive, and I'm not speaking for them. I'm just I'm just guessing. But that you know, some of this could cause utter chaos. And we live in a pretty civilized world. And and there are many historians who have said right now. Today's date, August 30th, 2023, is probably safest and sane and least amount of death in the in the history of the world. Right now, we're living in that. You know, so that is pretty amazing. And I think a lot of this technology could could upset that. I I I would like to think that I would like to see into the future, but I know that maybe that's not that's not gonna behoove me and my neighbors, so to speak. So <laughs> I'm just talking about also what you know with the flying cars and whatnot that that's you know maybe that's not the best idea in the world right now until we get that 
technology proven where, you know, the GPS can satellites can guide us um, without any issues. I think we're a long way from that. Yeah, right? yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need like moving spoilers that are long, but well, it's going to happen in like 30 years. So yeah. like that either. <laughs> right. I want to know who Jack the Ripper is. So, you know. Yeah, looking in the past might be a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just kind of checking out some things, wanting to look back at right. stuff. But there's there's theories that we already broke that and we've already done it. Um, there's photos, you know, that people put out there that you can see somebody in the 1950s in a big crowd holding something that looks like a cellular phone. Yeah. So the, um, I always tell people when you listen to me on podcasts, listen to my anecdotal stories, listen to the stories, these little tidbits that I've been given for the past five years. One and one of my military intelligence insiders who have helped me, and there's four of them, um, five total of, of people, very nice gentlemen, calm, quiet, reserved. And one of them went ballistic on me when I asked him about Project Look- Looking Glass. And there's a Looking Glass airplane, and the government loves to use same name projects for alien projects. So you can 20 minutes from now go, oh, John, Project Aquarius. That's that's something to do with the you know NASA. Not you 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 have no idea what you're talking about. But I asked him about Project Looking Glass and. You know, the government seen into the future and he went freaking ballistic on me. Like, don't you ever ask me that again? Don't you ever? I mean, collected, normal guy went ballistic. So, hmm. I, you know, that's that's a topic that I don't touch. And I'm just making a point that why did he go ballistic? Because it's such a hot button issue. I think with Ooh. the deep state and I don't want to touch it. And I'm telling everyone now that might be listening. I could care less. So don't uh, the, yell at me for even just breaching about it. <clears throat> didn't didn't like the Catholic, didn't the Catholic church like supposedly claim that they have like this machine. that Chronovisor, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, you I, I don't that? know the rest. No, I don't. I don't know. So I believe the Catholic church has more knowledge than uh, the Pentagon. Yes. Hmm. Makes sense. Interesting. The Catholic church. We love everyone. We're going to feed the sick, clothe the the, 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 naked. And this church is your church. Can I go and see the Vatican archives? It's secret. Oh, yeah. That's okay. a big no, no. Sorry to bother yeah. you. Give us, give us 20% of your salary. Yeah. And it's still gonna, we're still going to keep the secret from you. You know, I'm, I'm spiritual <laughs> and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ's teachings. And I'm proud to say that, but the Catholic church, please. Uh, they so, take twenty percent. The government takes the other thirty. So yeah, we're yeah. only there for fifty. Yeah, you can't <laughs> go in there. Those are secret books. Yeah, but we, it's our money that you've been no, secret. You, you mentioned there. you mentioned Project Looking Glass. You know, yes. I heard that from Bob Lazar. You know, the first time Bob Lazar yeah. talked about Project uh, Looking Glass uh, being a thing where they can look into the future and right. and whatnot. Um, well, they can look into certain divergent timelines. So it's not and I 100%. can't explain that. Like, yeah, I can't explain that to you because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they can for a, a, a timeline and 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 set this for this timeline. So there are multiple entries or multiple result results that could happen from uh, looking at a certain date or, or again a certain timeline. So it's just some like sort of like quantum calculator that predicts what people are going to do based on what they're currently. Or what anybody or, or, or anything is doing based on their current trajectory, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's um this the the, the Looking Glass pr- project is located in S four, which everybody says, oh S four S four S four. The aliens are at S two Alpha. I'm going to repeat this seventy times if I have to. In the past at Papoose Lake, the alien beings, ninety nine point nine 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 of them were housed at S two Alpha, not S four. S4 did have a biosphere for um, beings that were, that could not breathe our atmosphere and for, um, you know, uh, beings that we were trying to experiment on while they were alive. But 
99.9% of the beans were stored at S2 or were housed at S2 Alpha. But um, but looking Looking Glass was in S4. You know, uh, a, a guy that was there, Dan Burrish, claimed to be there. You know, just talks about the use of high frequency and these barrel type metal objects, um, which we cr created like, a uh, you know, using time, gravity and electricity, a, a, a huge amount of electricity. And that produced this futuristic wormhole or this, this doorway uh, into the future. Um, I, I can't I can't explain it, but that's what I've, I've read. Tara Blue this, asks, what do they eat? or drink great question the the, the grays because that is my specialty the grays have an ability to absolutely absorb every amount of moisture in their environment okay through their skin and use it to sustain themselves they eat very little they they don't need a lot of nutrition because what they do eat is everything is completely absorbed they are a perfect biological system when it comes to the absorption of moisture water and food <clears throat> I can only give you anecdotal stories because I've not fed an alien and I have never encountered one. There was there's one story from a military insider that the government made a a stick, uh, you know, like a like a like a candy stick made of of whale blubber, and that the beans, uh, some of the beans would suck on that. There is the famous strawberry ice cream story. Not saying that that that, but they that they couldn't digest that, and they. And they seem to like that. And we've, we found the dairy in Las Vegas. We talked to a driver. Guys, I am telling you the honest to God truth. He said to me, I would keep my truck running in my driveway all night at four in the morning. I would go to Area 51 outside of a gate, unhook my trailer, pick up and hook up the empty tra refrigerated trailer and bring it back to the dairy in Las Vegas. And I am looking you in the camera and I am putting my right hand to God. The funniest thing is for the 10 years that I delivered that ice cream, they only ever wanted strawberry ice cream at Area 51. Mm, now, this was part of a 198 documentary about aliens. And one of the whistleblowers said, you know, they, they had a fancy for strawberry ice cream. An Air Force <laughs> procurement officer was at a town hall meeting in Nevada and said, look, I'm just a guy that goes and gets the food and the supplies and, and the strawberry ice cream, you know, almost like a, a joking, but, you know, trying, you know, like a serious joke. And I, I, I fell off my floor when he said that. And that truck driver knew nothing of the urban myth of strawberry ice cream and aliens. And he said, John, I, it's weird that they've ever, 10 years, they've only wanted strawberry ice cream. I, it's, it's bizarre. Some plant-based, uh, uh, items that they did ingest to them. And that, those are the stories that I have heard, but they are absolutely perfect as far as, um, you know, absorbing every kind of, every kind of uh, moisture in the air and very seldom need to drink any water. Does that mean that they don't um, exude waste? No waste. Really? Interesting. Angel D comes in with a question. She says, do you feel safe about openly talking about the subject? God, great question. Um, I usually say this at the end of the podcast to be really dramatic, and I'm not being glib about it. And, and thank you for that question. I, I I mean that sincerely. I didn't steal this video out of Area 51, right? I, I mean, don't blame me. Your past employees, you, the government, are helping me to and helped me decipher this video. I didn't take it out. I didn't hire these men who have come forward to help me. I am speaking in defense of you, the government, the Pentagon, because they listen to every podcast. Trust me when I tell you this, gentlemen, your podcast has been listened to every single time you went on air. That's that's just that's just a fact in military intelligence. I'm defending the government at many points. I didn't steal this video and you let it out into the public. I'm just telling people that I'm proving that it's real and I'm not, you know, scaring people and I'm not... You know, I'm not calling for revolution. I'm just simply telling people it's real and we have to give the gov the government uh, uh, the latitude to figure how they're going to come out and tell us this now because it's, it's, it breaks everywhere. Not just this video, but others. And I say to people that if my life 
is truly in danger, which I don't believe it is, um, that that means that this video is real. And if this video is real, that means that extraterrestrials and aliens are real and they are coming to this planet. And if that's real, I say, God help us all. Well, let's get into this video. We'll play it and then we'll break okay. it down. There's no sound right. to it. No. Um, well, Victor I, said he removed the sound so he so none of the people in the room would be compromised by their families or relatives. Yeah. How am I doing so far? Oh, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. So one thing that I noticed about about his eyes are that they're very reflective and that it's very dark. Uh, do you know anything about their home planet? Does it come? Does it in a dark area? Well, we Not are told that. Well lit? Oh, I'm sorry. We are told that uh, most of the grays live on a uh, a desert like planet, a binary star system. Uh, very bright. Hence the 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 those are actually. Excuse me. Those are actually. Um, and I, I want to talk about this guy that briefed me uh, from the National Air and Space uh, 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 Intelligence Center in Wright-Patterson, uh, Ohio, uh, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, those are actually biological light shields, light lenses. And I've ha I had someone tell me that, you know, they, they look wet. And not only do they look wet, meaning that they're alive, they're biological like our eyeballs, but but that they're reflecting the camera light. And, and, and there are some people, FX people especially too, that tell me that, you know, maybe a glass, black glass in the eyes, if it was an animatronic doll, wouldn't reflect um, that, that, uh, that camera. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but um, I was specifically briefed about this alien that though that was a biological living lens but over their eyes. Um, uh, they are, they, they can, withstand all kinds of sunlight it's not very comfortable for them and the room was not that dark the video production company in 97 darkened the film to give dramatic effect when this film came to the production company rocket pictures via mm -hmm. a vhs tape it was bluish it was grainy you could see the creature's upper torso fully you could see a military man in the foreshadow to the left so there was no attempt to you know let's darken the room um unfortunately the, the video production company darkened the film and and the room and when the medics come in they shine the flashlight on the creek on the beans torso so you can't see the full bean this is not a puppetry a puppeteer's you know magic trick of concealing the body and and whatnot when the when the doctors come into the room they accidentally shine the light but um, there are some instances, especially in the, the, the documentary in 97, where they show for about uh, 10 seconds, the bluish grainy footage of, of the, uh, of the interview suite. So, um, and, and, and that, that's really something I've had a combat people are like, well, it's fake because it's black. And yeah, I, I agree. That's, you know, that is a, that, that's something that is, has to be understood why that is like that. And Victor, the government didn't do that. The video production company did that. Is, is his forehead slash head muscle moving? There's a guy in Europe that has found like 48 different movements of the the, the the bean. I have myself noticed four different shapes of the eyes, one from round, one from curved on the top, one from curved on the top, flat on the bottom. Um, there is paradelia, which is the pixelation of the film. And I, I truck, I truck a lot of movements up to that. And, and I've kind of, you know, dissipated people's like um, uh, skepticism of it. Yes, there's paradelia that makes it look like skin move. Look at the mouth opening and closing instantaneously. Uh, very, very hard to do in 1991. We have FX people that claim they can do it. There it is. 
Okay, so that is how the videotape looked when it came to Rocket Pictures in 96. You know, yes, it was darkened because the room is kept dark for the creature's comfort. And the light actually is on top of the head of the creature from the ceiling. But that is how the Mm. film looked. Okay, thank God you guys got that and showed that. That's how the film looked back in 96. And now, you know, for dramatic effect, um, uh, they darkened the room and, and, and made it very eerie and mysterious. And just look at that face. Look at the shading. I mean, you can mm-hmm. think you can really spray paint a, an animatronic doll with that. Was, that looks very lifelike. And when that it, mouth it, opened and closed, when I zoomed it open, I about fell off my freaking couch thinking, I haven't seen an animatronic creature in 91 with this mouth moving up and down. You don't see the servos. People, you know, FX people. And, and again, folks, I give you both sides. Said, no, we could have put remote control cables in the mouth and buried it deep so you couldn't see it through the tiny slit. And But, you know, it shows emotion at the end. Like, oh my God, thank God this coughing fit is over it. The bottom mouth goes in like a downward, you ever hear rusting bitch face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, your mouth, the, the bottom lip goes down in a downward you you know you know it's like what joe rogan said you get all these people doing mental gymnastics trying to explain how it could be faked and whatnot and no one's made the doll no one's recreated it and victor came back in 08 and said if it's fake well then recreate the doll you can do it if it's so easy do it if it was so cheap to do do it mm-hmm. nobody's done it and this... i like to get to the physiological monitor because that was the start of my investigation yeah that's what i was about monitor, to bring up. yeah see this monitor that uh looked like a pane of glass but we actually have a photo where it's actually Actually a device surrounded by metal the the um the physiological blip stays in, in in perfect sync and does not go across the screen it stays still going only up and down it's got a bluish green thick milkshake looking um appearance to it guys this is really uh this is really i did i did good journalism here good investigative work and this really should make you start thinking remember this is coming from a second tier video production company southern california who was selling the tim conway the comedian from the carol burnett show his uh dwarf golf video okay this is oh they've created the one of the best looking animatronic aliens ever right and i call i i wrote to three PhD fellows that was that were doing the history of physiological monitors, all three experts, right, in the world? Would, would mm-hmm. you agree? All three yeah. of them said, we've never seen that type of device ever. We've never seen the drawings, the conception for it. We don't understand why you would have that blip stain, stain in place. I then called Hewlett Packard and Space Labs. They were the only labs in the 90s and 80s doing physiological monitors. And an older gentleman at Hewlett Packard told me, I might be getting it mixed up. Maybe it was Space Labs. That he has never in 40 years seen a physiological monitor that remotely resembled that. He's never seen it on the drawing boards, at trade shows. He's never seen it in conceptual design. Nowhere. Nothing. And he said to me, it looks like it's a one-of. And I said, well, what is a one-of? He said, well, one-of is a device that you would design and build if you wanted to accomplish a certain type of scientific tax tasks, whether that's looking for gold in the ground or studying water in the ocean or, and I jumped in and said, studying a a weird heart lung organ of an alien. And he didn't laugh and he went, look, that's exactly what you would have to do because a human monitor wouldn't suffice and probably wouldn't even come close to monitoring uh, 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 um, monitoring accurately a a being's, you know, a heart uh, lung because they have a one organ this type of gray has a one organ heart and lung sac there's a 40 year old cranky engineer in the physiological department at, at space labs telling me yeah if i had an alien in front of me I'd, I'd have to i'd have to make a special monitor nobody laughing nobody hanging up the phone nobody telling me i'm crazy um so i'm asking you you know is, is, is it logical that a second tier video production company in 96 makes the most bizarre physiological monitor that is synced with the beans coughing fit? We've had six, 16 people now, 13 
heart cardiologist in Mexico said that that blip is syncing perfectly with a cardiac arrhythmia of the of the bean. We've had two EMT techs tell us that that blip is is syncing perfectly with the coughing and the distress of the bean, and they don't know how that could possibly um, have been done. So does does that small video production company create the most advanced animatronic doll in the most advanced physiological monitor known to man? Does that seem right, or does it seem that the Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is that the most advanced group in the world, the United States government, created that monitor and has a live being in front of them. You said that that monitor is metal? Yeah, so so nobody could ever get a, a good picture of it. And then we send this film to Bill Mums, who was hired by National Geographic to do the Big Patterson Gimblin Bigfoot film. He came back with two startling things. He got a picture of that monitor and it there was metal plating, like it was an actual device, not a piece of glass that, because FX people said, we well, could bounce a laser off the glass and if you reflected it right and okay. Whatever. But we found that it was an actual box, an actual device, a thin, about two inches thick with a metal bracket. Why would you make a metal bracket around it if you were putting a laser on a piece of glass? Why go through the motions? Mm -hmm. And um, and the other thing that Bill Mums, this 40-year FX video expert, said, every single animatronic foam doll since the 50s has creases under by their armpits because in the drying process, the arms, they have to come down to the body and that creates a crease. Every single one, he tells me. And I'm like, yes. He said, except your alien. I'm like, okay. He said, I can't find armpit creases on your alien. And John, I don't have an answer of how that could be because every single foam animatronic doll has to have the creases because that is part of the drying process. So what do you, you're John Stewart. What do you do with this information now? You got, you know, I haven't found the names of the guys yet. I, I mean, this is at the threshold. Oh, and then I went to a senator who was a former naval person. And I said, what is the Department of Naval Intelligence, which is embossed, embossed on the bottom of the, um, I mean, Jesus, look at the face of that being, I mean, if it, ah, animatronically, if we could do that, show emotion, God bless them. Mm -hmm. But the DNI emblazoned on the bottom was Department of Naval Intelligence. I asked the senator, what is the DNI? He turned to me with this aggressive look and he said, you don't need to know anything about that. Stormed off, didn't talk to me for the next day and a half. So I've got a pissed off senator about three letters on a supposed hoaxed video. I've got the most high-tech physiological monitor invented and built ever known to man. I've got a animatronic doll that's showing emotion. This is 91, showing emotion, facial expressions, eyes, eye sock, orbital sockets are changing position. Um, you know, I said to myself, what the hell is going on? What am I getting myself into? Yeah, this is this is pretty insane. I'll be honest with you. Uh, looking at it, it's it's you know, there's you have to remember when this film came out and the mm -hmm. technology that they had at the time it would have been very difficult to create something like exactly. this. And, and if you look yeah. at at the, it does look like there's, yeah, the, it, you know, when he's moving around, it looks like part of his muscles and his top of his head yeah. are moving. Yeah, the head. Yeah. We, we found muscles in the neck moving. Um, you know, the mouth opening and closing. Four different, five different shapes of the eye orbital sockets. I mean, the, mm. the the researcher in Europe did a hell of a job. You know, going frame by frame. Yes, there's. You can see it in the screen. There's some paradelia. I, I, I yes. But uh, look at even the eye shape here. It's almost almond right here. You scroll mm -hmm. forward, you see it round, you see it flat on the bottom. It's amazing. It, it just, it really is amazing. And it's, and if it's fake, it's the worst hoax ever. Why would you bring those doctors in in short sleeve scrubs and not biohazard containment suits? Why? Mm -hmm. Why yeah. would you, why would you let John Stewart 30 years later say, it's gotta be a fake. They're in short sleeve scrubs, the worst freaking hoax on the planet. There's two military men in fort in the shadow in the foreground with their shoulders getting into the camera. It was one continuous shot which you know so there was no cuts and you know to distract you or, or to you know to, to to do something you know kinky with the with the footage and stuff you know i mean come on i mean you know let's 
let's let, let's come to grips with that there's a you know 99 possibility that this is completely real yeah when i when i first saw this i'm gonna be i'll be honest with you when i first saw this with no context whatsoever um i threw it in the not real yeah and then they came back i heard i heard your podcast you did a while back maybe i can't remember the name of the the other podcaster you were on with, but I heard you explain um, the movements, and I looked at the movements, the mouth, the the the, the sizes of the the you know the eyes, the ridge right, right here between the eyes, right. and then I started okay, this is he makes a good point. So now I'm like maybe you know prematurely said that it wasn't real when I should have just been paying attention a lot more. And you explained that very well, and now I see all the differences and all the the, the little details. I didn't see the first time viewing. You zoom yeah. this photo, you zoom this video for the last 30 seconds. This creature mm. looks exasperated, like, holy shit. Thank God that coughing fit is over. Uh, you know, oh. it's got fluid coming from its mouth. <laughs> What's it called? I had a question. Um, yeah. In this in this video, you, you see him, uh, you see this creature coughing and whatnot. Is his arms detained, contained? Um, no, or... he was just very sick at the time. And, and he, you know, Fra his oh, arms frail. were not shackled down or anything. Yeah, he just did yeah. not use his, his arms. Oh, okay. He had four fingers, a suction cup sign all the digits the one finger kind of moved as like a thumb um mm -hmm. but definitely a suction device not device but actual you know suction pads on all of the tips and, and scientists figured out that that is probably you know long fingers with suction devices would be important if you're traversing deep space where you're reaching out to touch things on a control panel or whatnot very interesting very interesting uh, uh theory and you mentioned that the uh the the lenses, they weren't real. Did this creature pass? The victor tells us that this creature passed uh, months after this after this video, and something that should piss you off a little bit. I was told that after this, they stabilized this creature. Do you think the United States government said, guys, let's wrap it up for tonight? You know, today it's you know he's not doing well. No, once they stabilize the being, they continue with the questioning. And I've always been a proponent for the government because my family's been in government and you know the military, and really I am not knocking him, but that. That rubbed me the wrong way. So, that that so, rubbed me the wrong way. So an interview is more like an interrogation, right? Well, no, I say it's a thought projection Q and A. But yeah, if you if you're you're waiting to stabilize the person and then you're mm -hmm. barraging them with you know, thought questions, yeah, I, it it does lend into the interrogation phase. It's a great great well, point. A, great point. I had a question. You um you mentioned that their heart and what was it? Their lungs. Heart and is lung that... is one 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 organ. It's like a sac. It is. Is, is did they x-ray that or was that a, afterwards the autopsy that's what they were found out well they found that on autopsies from other beings and i'm sure they autopsy this being too mm. when they, they found that back that... in the 40s from the, the roswell the roswell oh. beans had that heart lung same sac organ oh, okay. when when they remove the 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 eye cover the lenses what do the eyes look like i was never told but i I've, I've seen a leaked picture and it looks like a very big like a an animal eye you know with like a coloration in the uh cornea and the retina and whatnot so it looks like a really 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 big human eye with with color with coloration this one was the sleek photo that i saw was was grayish grayish green um it just looked like a the size of a like a cow's eye but only a human being that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah. has, has anybody claimed to do this i'm sorry you you broke up can you ask that again has anybody come out and claimed that they created this? Yeah, another great. I, I love going on podcasts and getting asked great questions. To all the skeptics out there, it's 1996, it's 2023, 26 years later. Not one credible person in Hollywood or anywhere has ever come forward with credible claim to say mm. that they were part of that film to ho the hoax they created the doll they spray painted the doll they worked the animatronics they did craft catering for the day of the shoot they were one of the military people in the foreshadow they did accounting for it they did wardrobe no one and in hollywood a 
a city of braggers and bad packers. You mean to tell me that no guy at a pool party in 25 years that might have created that doll would have bragged about it to some young chickie at a pool to pool party to impress her? Come on. No one. <laughs> yeah. No one of any credibility. You can bring anyone you want in front of me. There's been people, oh, no, it was debunked by Cal State. No, it wasn't. It was debunked by uh, 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 the FX guy in Hollywood. No, they claimed that they thought it was fake um, because they have these massive egos. No one's ever built it. This, we're constantly told, oh, it's so easy to do. Build it. Well, then build me one. And yeah. we're going to do that for the documentary. We're going to pay an FX guy who claims he can do this. I've been friends with him. I've become friends with him. His name is Vince Costino. We're going to give him the money. He's going to build it and see how close he can get, you know, but 25 yeah. years, no one's had the gumption to build it and say, look, it can't be done. No one. And that pissed yeah. off Victor himself too. When he came back in 08 for the follow-up documentary um, and he was dying at the time. And uh, so, yeah, so nobody, nobody, nobody has come forward with any credibility at all and said, this is fake. This is hoax. I was part of it. This is what proof I have. No one. Remember this. No one. Is Vic is Victor still alive? Victor is dead. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and he was a that... biologist with the government, with the DIA. Yes. Did you ever meet him personally by any chance? Oh, no, 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 no. But my whole investigation, you know, we call the documentary is Hunting Victor. You know, it's the worldwide mm -hmm. search for the alien whistleblower. No, I, I never met Victor. Um, uh, I don't want to say the exact date that he died, but he died uh, years ago. Did you do know his identity? You know his identity. Well, he's here's. Can I be honest? Can I ref, ref, re? He yeah. is one of two people. And I know both of the people's complete by uh, history, biography, their names. And we're going to reveal that on the documentary. And, and I want to be told it who it is of the one of the two, along with everyone else. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. the viewers. Yeah. And um, but yes, I, I, I know both men's biography. I'm quite confident it's the one man. But, you know, it, it's possibility. It's another it's another person, too. But it's down to two men. And I, I with a 95 percent certainty know which one it is. And he was a government biologist uh, for the Defense Intelligence Agency. There was a small cabal down in S4 and S2 that was very upset with the draconian security measures and the way people were being trained treated the way the beans were being treated and it was two centuries the cameraman victor and another gentleman um who basically conspired to get material out to show what the government was doing down in these facilities they also got out a dossier um uh that was entitled the united states government's uh scientific study of extraterrestrials it has never resurfaced but this film this film was was taken out it was let out the cameraman took it to the Groom Lake Photo Lab. Three days later, he made two copies, put the emblazoned DNI 27 on the bottom, which is called Digital Overlay Graphics. He put the second copy in a GSA burn bag. The GSA, which I just found out a year ago, is the Government Services Administration. They sell repo drug cars. They do laundry, the cleanup, garbage disposal for the government. And it was put in a burn bag. And that's how it was let off on the base. Because I never believe Victor hid microfilm or a thumb drive in the crack of his butt because you get weighed in. In the nude when you come in for the day you get weighed in the nude when you leave for the day and the contents of what you ate is is weighed and measured believe it or not so there's no sneaking really? out anything out of s2 and s4 Mm. So, so how I was the, wondering too. How'd the video get out then? I just explained that oh, after I'm the sorry, film, I, yeah, oh no, I'm sorry. After the I got, I got this, mixed up in it. That's all right. After this interview was done, um, well, let me let me jump forward just a little bit. After going on these podcasts, I finally was contacted, which I was hoping this would happen, by an insider who gave me the entire 
briefing about this video, how it was taken out of the facility, all everything about the creature, all the names of the men standing behind the viewing partition, and the names of the two doctors attending to the, the being. I got all of these and proceeded like a journalist to vet every one of them, call family members, call them, email them, and I, which I can get to if we have time, which is, is a big yeah, part yeah, of the story. We, we so the 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 internal investigation from the defense intelligence agency they called it an unauthorized viewing was that this film was simply once the interview was over with this being at 3:15 on April 22nd 1991 a United States Air Force police officer escorted the US Air Force cameraman back to the Groom Lake photo lab and that's interesting because I would have there was there was a hoax letter or investigation I would have called it the area 51 photo lab Groom Lake photo lab three days later a copies were made and it was one copy that was that the cameraman put in the burn bag and smuggled off the base because it was in a government service administration burn bag. So why would the security, you know, pay attention to that at all? And we have been told by multiple people because the base security inside Area 51 was United States Air Force police officers. Outside was EG&G Dynatron. But the inside people, if you knew the security guard for two, three years, we have been told by multiple sources who weren't even with the alien program that the security could be lax. They didn't check your pockets sometimes. Some days they did. Some days they check your purse. Some days they wouldn't. Some days they would check your duffel bag. Some days you, you didn't. So for the fact that a, a burn bag, something to throw in the fire, the incinerator um, back at Nellis Air Force Base was let out. That's that's that, you know, that's I'm sure it doesn't happen now. But that that's no stretch in that. And once that was out, uh, Victor waited five years until he retired and was collecting his pension and then went forward with the film. And the real hero, in my opinion, um, without taking anything away from Victor, is the cameraman. We have no idea who he is. We probably think he's in his 50s or 60s. Um, we hope that when the documentary comes out, people are going to say, hey, wasn't Tim? cameraman out at Groom Lake at Area 51. And I think with this documentary, we're going to end up finding who the cameraman was. And he's the whole ball of wax because he's the one that took it off the base and then gave it uh, to Victor and this other gentleman who then sold it to Rocket Pictures. Hmm. That makes sense. Because I was going to, I was about to ask, like, so do you know the, the identity, but you're saying you don't, but I'm sure the government does, right? They have everybody who was participating in that name and everything, their identity, right? Well, it, it's funny because in the report, it says, we think Victor is. And so I don't know if they're absolutely sure. I think hmm. I'm sure they're sure now. And I have been told that the reason they did a prosecute Victor in 08 was because he was failing in health and, and, uh, and the Obama administration declined to prosecute him since there wasn't any big backlash with the film because I think the alien autopsy pretty much cast a wet blanket yeah. and any other alien films coming out and literally, excuse me, their legitimacy. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I know for 95% sure who Victor is, but I'm wow. telling you that there is another name. And, and and we have a person that will reveal who exactly is the correct name. And I will do that in front of people. And I think the fans, I hate to say that, but the UFO community and people interested in this in the world deserves to know the exact time that I know too. I think that's do, fair. Do, do you think that um, they, they will actually prosecute someone if like something like this happens in the, in the future? Do you think they will prosecute? Because I think if no. they prosecute someone, that will just confirm that the the, the video, right? That they get the video pretty much, right? There you go. Great question. Oh, my God. Great question. Yes. Well, why didn't the government prosecute Rocket Pictures? Wait a minute. Can you imagine the Pentagon suing a video production company in California over an alien video being leaked? Well, what is? why would you sue somebody if it was a animatronic doll if it was fake so the government had their back against the wall and believe me i was told this is a verbatim quote the government held its breath for many years when that film 
appeared on the UPN network. Because what would what should you do? What could you do? And that film, this is a verbatim quote from a man from the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, that this film, the minute it hit the airwaves, was blacklisted, meaning anyone in the know. Anyone in these programs, anyone at the Pentagon couldn't even mention it. If you asked them about it, they would shrug their shoulders. I, a video film, I, I don't know, alien interview, I don't know what you're talking about. Complete blacklisted. And wow. I mean, and he found that out by researching it for me. So I'm asking you, why is a hoaxed, alleged hoax video blacklisted by the Pentagon? And why is somebody like me who's researching it getting so much heat from the government? As far as my my emails disappearing, my apps being rearranged, um, the, the the military people that have been told to cease and desist conduct in contact mm-hmm. with me, why? I'm a retired automobile dealer from Chicago. Well, why would you? Why are why are you demanding intelligence officers cease contact right. with me about mm-hmm. this video if it's hoaxed? Why? Right. And no one can answer that except well because it's real. The bears. <laughs> What's it called? I had two two more questions in that, uh, that yeah. the other guys asked, but um. Um, I don't know if you're, um, you know, um, you know who David Politis, who David Politis is? No, David Politis. Well, I've tried to email him a couple of times. I tried okay. to actually help him get a TV show, which he never responded to. But I was so enamored with his research yeah. that I said, this has got to go on, on, you know, regular TV. So I, I explored it with him and I think his, his work has been fascinating. He's got some yeah. stuff kind of something wrong, but the, the main thrust of his, of his theory is, is, uh, is right on the money. Yeah. Because like, I, I see his documentaries and I read some of his books and I remember hearing that he had such a hard time getting information from the national parks and the government. They, they made it real, real, real hard, almost impossible. And then when they, he tried to, they were charging him millions of dollars to get this information out. Um, did you, did you have a hard time finding out certain um, details about this video? Was My, the government? Do you think the government was trying almost to discredit you? Well, they haven't discredited me yet, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure when I make it on national TV, it'll be look at this pro wrestler and his mm-hmm. feathered boa robe. Oh, I'm sure that's coming. Um, but all the people have told me that there's a segment of the Pentagon that wants this disclosure, and it's great that a guy like me that can be discredited politician, car, used car dealer, pro wrestler. I mean, come on, think about it. They could shot me to bits. I have laughed with people at the FOIA desk at the DIA. And I know two of them. One is Andrew. Another one is Cheryl, African-American woman. She runs the FOIA. We, I actually laugh with them. It's a joke now that, you know, um, and she, I, I told, you know, I'm telling military people that I'm like, you're going to have a lot of stories at Thanksgiving about, you know, this guy, this crazy guy from Chicago. And she's like, oh, Mr. Sturdy, write in again for the alien thing. Okay. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So I called the, I, I've done a bunch of FOIA requests from the DIA. And so I called and the gentleman was Andrew and he said, uh, this is really, really strange. I've never seen this before. If I can give have a dime for every time I've been told this in this five years, I'd be a rich man. Never <laughs> seen this before. What haven't you seen before? People, folks, this is my right hand to God. He said, your name is on our file as a FOIA requester, but it does not have a file attached to it. Like what you're requesting. I'm like, well, what's the big deal? He goes, there isn't one person on this computer program that doesn't have a file attached to their name. You're the only one. I said, well, what, why would that happen? He said, well, somebody had to come in and remove it. FOIA desk for DIA. He's like, let, call me back in an hour. Nicest guy in the world. Call him back in an hour. It's yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, we're, we're, we're looking into it like a jerk, real stiff, like he, he got in trouble. And minutes later, an email pops up. Hello, Mr. Stewart. This is the Defense Intelligence Agency. In, in lieu of your uh, FOIA request, we have to, uh, um, the wording was 
and I'm going to butcher this, forgive me, uh, due to the nature of your FOIA request, because I asked them about S2, the alien interrogation and Project Aquarius, we are going to have to conference with other agencies and departments and, over, and do an overall evaluation of any information that we will release back to you. So they were telling me that we've got to like now go to, you know, the CIA or the FBI or wh whatever, whatever other agencies and having conferences with that's written in the paper. I've got the email and uh, and never heard back from them. Um, I, I did a FOIA request, uh, two of them to the Pentagon, to the Air Force, because I want to know Colin Powell's travel schedule on the day of this video. Um, and you'll know why in the documentary. Never heard back from him yet. You know, of course, I've got to browbeat him. And, you know, and then they tell you that there's thousands of FOIA requests. But if you if you become enough of a pain in the ass, you get a response. And 99% of the time, it's, oh, we have no information with this. This is in our department. This is, it wasn't worded right. I, I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, a, it's just a, it's a, it's a parlor trick. It's a three card Monty on the streets of Brooklyn. And, um, you know, it, it's a big, it's a big magic trick in, 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 in a big secret clubhouse and we ain't in it. <clears throat> so, again, you're looking at a guy who in the history of the defense intelligence agency, and I'm not putting myself like I'm some hero. You're looking at the only person that has ever been on their FOIA request electronic files without a requesting file next to it. This was told to me by the person that runs that uh, computer section of FOIA. I've never seen this before. So you ask me, you know, the the, the person watching this in, uh, you know, in Virginia or, or uh, Florida or Arizona, you tell me why this is happening, why I'm getting ghosted, why military people are getting cease and desist contact orders mm -hmm. uh, in relation to John Stewart, a, a, a retired car dealer, grandfather, my, tepidly mild, successful wrestler from Chicago. Why? Yeah. Why? That, that is weird. Yeah. I just want to say, uh, I got to go, guys. Yeah, have a good night. Thank you, John, for coming on. Thank you, sir. I, I have to work tonight. Thank you, man. And everybody Later, take man. care. Take care. Later. So, What's it called? So John, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I said I was gonna I only had two questions. And I'm like, ah, never mind, Daniel. I have more. No, um, <laughs> ask have away. You reached out, have you reached out to uh, like a uh, bigger, like a big uh, UFO, uh, like Mufan or uh, Jaime Mossan? Because I, I followed him since like I was like four years old. Jaime That's a great question. So, uh, have you, have you reached out one, to them? One of the one of the attempts to criticize me, he's keeping this secret. I am. Hmm. Well, here's the truth. From the first week of my investigation, I started mm -hmm. contacting the the people on top of the wise men on top of the hill in the UFO world. Yeah. So I want to look in the camera and tell everyone this in the past five years. Who mm -hmm. has my entire investigation? Jaime Musan, Dr. Stephen Greer, Linda Moulton Howe, Dr. Sala, who actually tried to contact email one of the naval people watching mm -hmm. this program, watching the interview. A Dr. Sala of Exopolitics. Um, this is in Dr. Stephen Greer's disclosure project. I re I handed over the investigation to Congressman Tim Burchett's office in in the in his office in Washington D.C. Um, Sean David Morton, uh, two law firms, two Hollywood producers. Because one of the things that I thought I'm like, okay, so I don't be attacked as fraud or hoax or charlatan. I studied in great detail Bernie Madoff and, and Elizabeth Holmes, the Theranos blood lady, the con man, woman. Yeah. And the one thing that both of them did that I wanted to be the complete antithesis was, was hiding everything, hiding the evidence, hiding what they found. Yeah. And I made damn sure every time I got some new information, I went to a trusted UFO source and gave them this information. Oh, Carrie Cassidy from Project Camelot. She was the first person that got this information too. So I've hit this with no one. You've taken this to Congress. Um, yeah. You know, Hollywood producers, have this two law firms have this i've hid this from no one other than you know basically the general
general public, but uh, the UFO community, and I and I and I will tell you, has been just absolutely, absolutely wonderful to me. And I'd like to then go take one minute and tell you who has not been wonderful to me, because part of mm-hmm. me being honest is being honest about my experience and my journey. Yeah, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I tried to take this investigation to Tom DeLong and emailed him and to the Stars Academy. All I got back was, how much money do you want to give us? Do you want to donate? Do you want to donate? No, I, can I speak with Tom DeLong? My name is John Stewart. I'm an a, a investigator. I've been investigating a block. I, I get the same, you know, uh, you know, uh, fundraising email. I've yeah. tried to take this to Robert Bigelow and talk with his assistant, Dr. Con, uh, Con Kelleher, who's been very nice to me. Um, and I've emailed him a million times. I offered to fly to Las Vegas, bring lunch, I'll fly to Las Vegas. I'll bring everyone lunch to Bigelow Industries. Just give me five minutes. No. So why does Robert Bigelow want to sit down with the guy that ran for governor for five minutes? He's going to bring lunch. He's got startling information. Uh, you mm-hmm. tell me. Um, uh, Jeremy Corbell, um, I, I gave this information to, um, have never heard back from him, you know, because they want to be the ones to bring this to the public, you know, not mm-hmm. John Stewart. George Knapp has made contact with me. Um, he's been very recalcitrant and, you know, mm-hmm. to the point of at times blowing me off. Another one, George, I've got a mother-in-law in Las Vegas. I'll, I'm, I'm willing to fly to fly to Las Vegas. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I'll buy you lunch. Can I just show you? You're Mr. S4 mm-hmm. with Bob Lazar. I want to show you what I what I try to find, what That's I have a, found coast out coast, on right? S4. Is that... George from Coast to Coast? No, George yeah. Knapp is the, the the Las Vegas reporter that broke oh, the Bob okay. Zor story. Um, uh, Annie Jacobson, uh, you know, and I don't want to talk ill of anybody, but I am being honest about our mutual history. Is that fair? Right? Mm-hmm. So Annie Jacobson, who writes this book, this huge book on Area 51, says was told when the general panicked, to, she was told about the Roswell crash that the Germans and Russians made um, uh, deformed human beings look like aliens and then crashed the spaceship on the plains of New Mexico. I mean, just crazy, stupid stuff that a, a, a goof would, would, would swallow hook, line and sinker, not say to themselves, I think the general's backtracking on this. I sent her a very polite text. Hi, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, Annie. Uh, you know, my name is John Stewart. I ran for governor of Illinois. You would think that that would like kind of stop people like, oh, wait a minute. Let me listen further. You know, I've done a five-year investigation about S4 and S2. Would you have five minutes where I can just, this is the Miss Area 51, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you have five minutes where I can go over my notes and we can compare notes uh, about my five-year investigation of S4, S2, and Area 51. I'm not, I'm not interested in that story anymore. Hmm. Just, you know, again, I'm not saying a bad word about her, but mm-hmm. do you respect her that a little bit less? You know, this is Miss Area 51 and wrote this big, you know, she's the expert. She talks really like this. You know, she's got this great voice. And But <laughs> Jesus, if somebody comes came to me and said, Mr. Stewart, I've got information about 1990, your wrestling year in the AWA, that's very interesting um, that I found out. Do you think I would give them five minutes? Uh, yeah, I give them an hour, but you know, I can't be bothered. So it's this, you know, I'm dealing with the self-licking ice cream cone, you know, where this is being monetized into books and documentaries and shows and the egos. And I want to be on TV and I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that, but don't be, don't come across as these experts that have taken all this time of your life and you're so passionately committed and a guy that ran for governor wants five minutes of your time and you can't give him five minutes of your time. I don't want to cast dispersions or call names, but that's ridiculous. But I want to tell your listeners who are full of shit and who aren't. I'm sorry, you know, and, and, and the Dr. Salas, the Linda Moulton Howells, the Richard Doty's, um, 
uh, the, the, the Stephen Greer's. Stephen Greer is like the the, the repository at the, the Library of Alexandria with, yeah. with UFO alien knowledge, 600 witnesses. I emailed Stephen Greer. I get email back in minutes, you know, um, they're not lengthy monologues, but, you know, this guy is, you know, the same with everyone, so many other people. They've been just wonderful to me. But there have been a few in the, in, in the UFO community that I, you know, do a raised eyebrow. Like, what are you really in this for? And are you in this to be the star of the show, Jeremy Corbell? Or are you in this to be collaborative? I'm in this to find the truth and be collaborative. I don't have to sit on CNN. Um, yes, I would like to get national recognition of just simply being the investigator before someone tries to steal this from me. I mean, I do have a little bit of an ego, but I want to be collaborative. And I've proven that by giving my investigation over to other UFO experts, um, despite being told not to by Hollywood producers. Um, you know, and I and it's very, uh, very disheartening. Some of the... Um, some of the the lack of uh, Bob Lazier emailed me back. James Fox emailed me back. Um, Senator uh, 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 Deputy Secretary of State Chris Mullen emailed me back. He is not a big fan of my investigation, but he emailed me back, and you know I appreciate that. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people out there that uh, are, I think are more in it for the stardom is rather than finding out what's in the stars. If I can say that. Yeah. No. No. For sure. You mentioned Bob Lazar. Um, in your you know um, studies and investigation, have you found? Anything that proves that he was actually out there at S4? I've seen an EG&G Dynatrend uh, visitor's log with his name on it as he was going onto the plane at McCarran, the Janet Airlines. Bob oh, uh, Lazar. Uh, working, uh, I believe, um, it, it gives the dates that they're allowed to be there. Are they a civilian contractor? Are they military, CIV, MIL? Those are the designations. And uh, I've seen so many of these because there's someone that has the logbook from the 70s to the 90s. That documentary is coming out on Netflix, proving that Bob Lazar was at least at Area 51. Um, I think it was either he was either Lockheed or EG&G that, uh, that, that Bob was under the guise or the umbrella of working out there. And let me tell you something about Bob Lazar, which I've realized what the military does. The military loves people with sketchy, discreditable, discreditable educational backgrounds, job employment backgrounds. So if they do come out, they can be discredited. And when you look at Bob Lazar, Dan Burris, there's another person, Emery Smith, who claimed to be a, a pathologist working on alien tissues. You no, know, they love getting, you know, uh, look at me. Been to six universities in my life, pro wrestler, used car dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't you let me come out with this information? You, I can be, you know, I can be discredited in the perception value uh, in seconds. And can you imagine George Stephanopoulos on ABC Good Morning America? You know, the guy has been outed as a used car dealer and a failed politician. Mm-hmm. I mean, people would turn the channel and they'd forget about the alien interview forever. So, but the government's got this fetish of doing this, of getting geniuses, of getting very highly intelligent people. And remember, highly intelligent people sometimes don't fit in the track of the normal educational, um, uh, the educational system. Look at, there's famous dropouts, uh, you know, Bill Gates, one of them, the famous dropout. They're just so intelligent. Uh, Zuckerberg, another one. They just cannot mm-hmm. operate in the framework of the confines of, of formal institutions. And the government loves, government would have loved somebody like Bill Gates. He didn't even graduate college. How could you believe what Bill Gates is telling you, right? <laughs> yeah, we right. can't prove who Bob Lazar is. Well, does he, do you have to have a master's degree to be a genius? I know a lot of smart people who are way smarter uh, than people that have master's degrees and doctorates. And, you know, um, I'm not saying that those people aren't smart either, but I, I know a lot of hyper-intelligent people that are not traditionally uh, formally trained are educated uh, through the the, edu- the 
collegiate system. No, for sure. Yeah, I do. And so I believe Bob Lazar. Um, do do I believe that he has fabricated some things to to, to perpetuate the story? Yes. Has this been proven by psychologists and and people that study movements and body language? Yes. Has it been proven in reverse speech that Bob is has lied about some things? Yes. Um. Uh. You know the, the social security number on his Department of Naval Intelligence W two is his wife's social security number. You know, so he must have fabricated fabricated that from his other W two from the Department of Naval Intelligence. You know, the fact that he was videotaping men on behalf of an owner of a brothel. There are some some things that, you know, he powered a bunch of money from people um, at uh, at uh, Los Alamos. Um, you know, there's some sketchy things about Bob. And I simply tell people, does that not make you any more intelligent? There are a lot of intelligent people that are scumbags or shirk the law or, you know, again, if they can't follow the framework of going to college for four years, how do you expect them also at times to follow the framework of normal society? There's something, there's something to think about, but I think Bob, uh, to discredit that he knows nothing about physics is laughable. I've seen him give a two hour lecture on video uh, of physics. I mean, he's obviously a very intelligent, uh, uh, I would call, um, um, uh, 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 on a, um, a non-traditionally educated savant in physics. No, I agree. He, he definitely seems like an intelligent man yeah. and, and knows his things. Uh, Steely yeah. fan comes in with a question. She asks, do the uh, extraterrestrials have a, like a family or sense of family or, or how does that work? Great question. I've only heard of one anecdotal story that, you know, on their planets, uh, the, the grays that my specialty, so to speak, um, that they, that, you know, it is a, it's a very, they have evolved so much that it's almost like a beehive mentality. And I know that's been battered around in ufology. It's been battered around a lot and used a lot because it's the truth from what we were told. And on their planet, it's a, you know, it's, it's, you have a task to do, whether that's in manufacturing or agriculture or, or whatever it is. Um, there are family units. They, 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 they don't live in houses as we would think they would, they live in what I was told. I'm living more something, things that uh, like dome structures of like a, an igloo to type things. Um, everyone's got the hive mentality. It's all for the betterment of, um, uh, of, of the, of the collective group, um, their whole mindset, their whole modus operandi. And this is stuff I've been told with anecdotal stories. And when you yes. think about it, what would you do if you were a, a, a if you came from a different solar system and you wanted to fix humanity twenty thousand years into the future? What would you do? Would you take away lust? You would take away anger, jealousy, right? You'd mm -hmm. give you'd give humanity a hive mind, a collective belief that the collective group, you know, some sort of a you know communistic type, you know, uh, 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 belief system. Uh, everyone would be equal. Um, everyone working toward a, a common goal and you would just take away all of the passion, so to speak, as I call it, that makes us human. And, but and there have been military intelligence people that have been told this by the evens that, you you know, we are the four dollar ticket to the freak show in the universe that on most planets, most solar systems, most universe, most binary star systems. It's a, you know, you know, it's Oompa Loompas following in a line and, you know, it's the bees working at a hive, and you got to check out this this watery rock three, three rocks over from the son it's 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 the freak show but don't you think that a part of like how we've become technologically advanced and 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 grown as a society has to do with lust procreating the you know the want to be better than somebody else or have more than someone else yes uh isn't totally. that what kind of pushed us into technological advancement why would that be different for for an alien species well, do you think technology is, is eventually going to destroy us of course it's going to yeah of course it's going to 
So why would you, again, you and I are creating a civilization 20,000 years from now. We don't want technology to be the, to be the thing that is the oil of our, of our, of our society, um, mm-hmm. because we know where technology can go. And you would, you would start, uh, you know, you would do in vitro, you would do lab grown uh, uh, species of your species. You know, you'd have this beehive mentality where there is no passion, lust, there's only protection. There's only, you know, protecting the high, protecting one another and um, in, in this collective mindset and, and, and basically would have no problems, especially if the mind is, is also part of, you could make sure that that computer is keeping you in line to waking up, you know, going to your, your position on, 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 in the society, coming home, so on and so forth. And it makes perfect sense. I, I wouldn't want to live in it. You know, um, I like the dice roll of my life and what we have in our society. And, uh, but, but if you wanted to continue, you know, continue species into the future of 100, 200,000 years, you'd have to bring it down to the level of a beehive mentality because this is, this is the crazy train planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm speaking the truth. It, we're, we're nuts. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we're, we're literally killing people over imaginary lines in the ground. We are killing people, killing each other over our God versus your God. Hey, you know, we're spending money on yachts and aircraft carriers and letting our own kind sleep in the streets and starve. Right. But, but we're building the aircraft carrier to protect us. Why aren't you protecting me now? I'm starving to death by the time the Russians, you know, throw a nuclear bomb over here. I'm going to be dead in the streets of Detroit. What, what you're building an aircraft here to protect me? Feed me. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I want to thank Gail. Yeah, for sure. I want to thank Gail for your $5 super sticker. And Tara Blue asks, is it true that a president took Jack Jackie Gleason to Area 51? Did you ever hear I about com- that? 100%, 100%, 100% believe that story. Nixon, um, let me tell you, I am a Nixonian. I am an, I, I, I am, uh, an expert in the life of Richard Nixon, his administration. And, um, and he often did this, uh, you know, going AWOL, so to speak, in his own, in his own car. And uh, while he was vacationing in Key Biscayne, friends with Jackie Gleason, he played golf with them earlier that morning, went to his house, it was Nixon in his car by himself, took Gleason to Homestead Air Force Base. This was told by Gleason's wife um, in a Playboy magazine interview 10 years later and showed and they walked it to the, it was a corner of the base of Homestead, Florida. And they walked into this facility that was almost like a butcher, like a, 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 a cooler, like you would see in the back of a butcher shop with the plastic hanging there was hallway 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 guards everywhere and there were five uh coolers the size of coca-cola coolers from the 30s or 40s or 50s and they were high-tech refrigeration and these beans four foot tall bean beans were suspended in this uh, liquid um cooling you know a substance and uh gleason was told that these were uh, the beans from roswell and then that went to the side there was wreckage um that had already been studied at wright patterson and then shipped to homestead and gleason was told that was one of the two spaceships that crashed in roswell because i don't know if you know this but my book is coming out in november there were two crashes uh um in, in the summer of uh, in New Mexico in 1947. And Gleason was so um, upset by this and troubled that his wife said he didn't eat for a week, lost like 30 pounds. He actually built another house that was in this, was that looked exactly like the spaceship that he had saw in the in the warehouse in Homestead, Florida. He was a voracious ufologist. He would call into many late night talk shows talking about it and why your ex-wife who hates you would tell a story backing up, you know, what happened never made sense unless it was true. And she said it, she, it just completely altered uh, Jackie Gleason's life. And this was total Richard Nixon, you know, 
would have a couple of belts of alcohol. Um, there was a famous story, Richard Nixon slurring his words, calling up a, a, a Pentagon, a general at the Pentagon late at night. Folks, this is a true story and demanding that we attack Russia because some, you know, something happened um, in the Middle East or in Europe or something. And the general saying, Mr. President, you know, we can't, you know, call for a nuclear strike right now. And um, it's, a, it's a bonfire fight story by more than one one of his uh, legislative aides. Um, so uh, if it was any other president, I would mm, call a question. Richard Nixon, take it to the bank. I want to thank uh, Canadian True Crime Bill for sending in a uh, PayPal donation. We have PayPal and Cash App. It's in the link. I have another question for you. Did, sure. Was there ever an attempt from the aliens to um, free any of the aliens that were at Area 51 or dying or any of those things But prior to? Anecdotal stories. Um, uh, 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 Richard Doty, who was the counterintelligence agent for three or four years for Project Aquarius, and Charles White, who was a meteorologist out at area, uh, an area of Area 51, um, both claim that uh, that someone helped uh, someone in the government helped a being escape through a fence. The being was reapprehended. I think actually the being was actually shot. Excuse me. This is oh, not geez. the being that was on the air the, the, on the. Uh, airport runway uh i think in virginia but uh yes one being did try and escape and uh what i was told probably one of the most top secret i wouldn't say top secret because i that's getting myself in trouble but the most sensitive thing that i've ever been told i think is that uh that all beings in captivity uh that were in captivity are deceased we have no living this is what i was told that we have no living extraterrestrial aliens in any facility that are alive and i was told that the last five that were at uh s2 um uh i was specifically told this verbatim uh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get this right um four died and we helped the other one go back home (laughs) excuse Hmm. me and apparently they arranged for one of the beings to be reattached to his unit or his command um, with a craft landing at, uh, at, at the, the Papoose Lake complex. And this being was then released back to his species and, uh, and uh, evidently uh, went back to his, his planet of origin. And the government helped facilitate that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very kind sensitive of, information. Kind of sounds almost sad, like, but... Yeah, it kind of almost sounds like the plot to Paul. Is, <laughs> have you seen well, that movie, I, I, Paul? I, no, I haven't, but I find that very strange. The UFO crash in Las Vegas, and now Paul, come, you know, that movie comes okay. out. And um, uh, but uh, that 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 was very that came from a very very high up source. You know, that four four died, um, yeah. and and the fifth one uh, they assisted in returning back to its you know to it to its uh, planet of origin. Nothing ET or you know close encounters. Just you know, we we helped it communicate back with um, with its. Uh, with the with the craft and the craft um, came down and, and and took the alien uh, back again to its to its planet or to its dimension of of origin. But that was pretty interesting. Is there a uh, is there like a treaty or anything uh, between the people of Earth or the United States or the governments combined and the alien? visitors is there an agreement or anything that well there's the famous story of eisenhower faking a tooth uh, ache going to his dentist in palm springs disappearing for a day and a half the press not knowing what where he was and the infamous story is uh, you know at muroc air force base which is now edwards air force base uh, uh, a pre-planned meeting between eisenhower and uh, an alien group that looked much like egyptians and that you would see in Egyptian paintings with the headdresses. Um, again, this is just in focal. This is in UFO lore. And an, and an, and an agreement was made that um, in exchange for us, the United States, getting uh, high technology, that the beings would be allowed to, you know, abduct some U.S. citizens um, 
and uh, for just various innocuous exp experimentations. And that completely spiraled out of control. And what people say, when you think about it, 80% of the abductions in the world happen in the United States. It's because the there's a seg segment, according to lore, that have this are using this agreement to, you know, abduct people and to, and, 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 you know, because they're not killing them, they're just extracting semen and ovaries. Like somehow that makes it better when you get abducted, at least you get returned to your bed. You don't have you know, semen in you anymore, your ovaries, and you're producing a hybrid alien that that makes it better. But um, that, that agreement completely uh, went, went sideways and, and um, there are still people getting abducted um, other than any other agreements. I, I, I've never heard of anything other than that, uh, the Eisenhower, agreement with that uh, with that race of beings back in you know what would have been 59 60 61 something like that at Murak Air Force Base because even guys and I was granddaughter talks about it yeah you have something yeah I was gonna ask crash landing or are they being shut down Victor makes a very interesting point Victor the whistleblower that he feels some of the the craft are being captured on purpose almost like what Jesus Christ did on planet Earth, you know, come down in mortal form, sacrifice them himself <laughs> and and Victor and some of the scientists, according to Victor, feel that that um, if they didn't want to be shot down, they wouldn't have been shot down. Um, and that uh, some let themselves get taken to because they have this, you know, universal we can't get in, you know, interference um, belief in, in, with, within the universe from what they have told the United States government, they being the aliens. And um, so, you know, uh, but again, I tell people this. Well, for 50,000 years in the future, you think, and they traverse the universe, do you think an electrical storm could bring them down? Yes. Look how high tech we are. What can bring down our world? A solar storm. A solar storm, the right time, ends the planet Earth, takes us back to the Stone Age. So don't tell me about civilizations being uh, impervious to, you know, things that are very seem innocuous that can wipe them out or hurt them or whatever. We were the greatest, you know, the British were the greatest nation on Earth in the 1850s and the most advanced weapons ever. And they went to the Amazon, what killed the majority of them. But they had the most advanced weapons and, and medicine in the world. And they all died from a mosquito. So don't tell me that, you know, high-tech beings can't somehow have a problem or an issue with their craft once they get into the, the skies of, of the world. Um, that's that's ridiculous. Because the more high-tech you are, the easier you are, you are susceptible to the, the smallest things can can affect you. Yeah, you mentioned abductions. And one of the most famous ones that we, we discussed um, in the earlier podcast, it was about with uh, Travis Walton. Are you, do you know anything about that case? Do you believe that he was actually abducted? And brought back i do believe he was abducted and um you know when they had his friends in the interrogation room of the sheriff's office with no one in the room they didn't think they were being watched and two of them were praying to god in the room like please make this all better you know please bring travis back and that's recorded that's filmed um if your buddies are lying and hoaxing and you know uh, there's no ra rational explanation why travis would have done this he wasn't i don't believe he was married you know and going off on a bender with some hussy from town for five days or, you know, um, it didn't seem like he owed people money. And if he did, why would you come back? And he didn't come back with any money. So that shoots that theory down. And, and again, all of his friends hold the same story. And he has had the same story, much like Lazar, for the past 40 years. So I completely, 100% believe Travis Walton because of, again, like my investigation, you can't, somebody says they were they were shot with a laser beam and taken on a craft you, th th there's no way to prove that or unless you can do other things or you have these anecdotal stories that starts building up a preponderance of evidence that this might be true or at least how they perceived it him and his friends and um and when his friends were praying 
you know, so terrified of what they encountered by themselves mm-hmm. in the interrogation room. That stopped me in my tracks. And I believe mm-hmm. Travis, I've seen three interviews. I believe him to be a credible person. And, um, you know, I believe him to be uh, to telling the truth because there's no other explanation of uh, of why he would have put himself through that. So I, I got I got a we have a question says question Anunnaki, yay or nay, but I have a something to add to it. So um, Louis Zondo on Theories of Everything made a statement referencing an upper official telling him that the UAP phenomenon was demonic. And he also alludes that the creation of humans could be different than what most people think. Uh, Have you discovered anything that could bring some truth to those statements? Yeah, the Bible. That mm-hmm. tells me that, um, hmm, let me see, fallen, that that sons of man came down to earth, saw the women of uh, Seth, that they were beautiful, lusted after them and produced and, and, and procreated with them and produced hybrid progeny called an affilia. Uh, if people, uh, scholars think the sons of man, listen to me here, folks, follow the bouncing ball, that the sons of man were the were the good sons of, of, uh, of Cain, of, of Abel. Of Cain, sorry, of Seth, sorry. We see in the Genesis when God created the earth, the sons of man rejoiced. Adam had not been created yet. So who were the sons of man when the earth was just created rejoicing with God? Obviously, they were angelic beings. I mean, is there any other interpretation you could see who Adam had not been had, had not been created yet? So who mm-hmm. are the sons of man? They, they were with God when he created the earth. They obviously were heavenly, angelic, extraterrestrial beings. And we are told back in Genesis 6 that they came, they came down they had, and, they, and they produced this this progeny with women on earth. And it, they were called the Nephilim. And the Nephilim are not giants. The root word Nephal comes from ancient Greek means fallen one. So these were fallen angels, to so to speak, who went against God's uh, uh, judgment of not procreating with women on earth. And they pr- pr- produced this bizarre hybrid uh, progeny. There's no other explanation why God would issue the fire of judgment that he did with flooding the earth and killing everything except Noah. And we are told that Noah was saved because he was perfect in his generations. And perfect in his generations doesn't mean that he was morally perfect because we know from the Noah story he wasn't. Perfect in his generations, meaning that just like the lamb for the Paschal sacrifice, Noah's bloodline was without blemish, without any of this contaminated um, extraterrestrial, angelic, whatever you would like to call it, bloodline. And it's clearly said that in Genesis. Um, evangelical scholars in the first 400 years of Christian um, of the Christian um, uh, uh, church, uh, men like uh, Tortorian, Ambrose, Ionysus, um, even Josephus, the Jewish historian, all interpreted the Nephilim as fallen ones, not the good sons of Seth. So, and I believe that is the correct interpretation. And I think, and, and, and let me finish this also, because this is very important about the story of Noah, because Noah is key to prophecy. And the clue in the in the in the answer to this cosmic riddle is what Jesus Christ said when he was asked, When will we know your second coming? And he said, As in the days of Noah, listen to me here, will be in the same days of my second coming. What specifically happened in Noah's days that has never happened in 4,000 years up until the last 50 years? Wars, famines, pestilence, immorality, uh, natural disasters have all happened. There is one specific characteristic of Noah's time that is happening now in our time and has not happened since. And that is this genetic warfare, something, something from the heavens coming down and trying to create this hybrid race. And 90% of abducted women have the same story. They are trying to create a human alien race. The same thing that happened in Noah's time. So when 
People roll their eyes at that. They're rolling their eyes at their own Bible, at their preacher on Sunday. I'm just telling you what your Bible says. And your Bible says that in the, the next coming of Jesus Christ will be the days of Noah. And folks, we are in the days of Noah, um, where angelic beings, aliens, whatever you want to call them, whatever makes you feel comfortable, are coming to this planet and trying to create a hybrid alien extraterrestrial human race because they did it in Noah and God issued the judgment of destroying the world because of it. Now, in, in Victor's second, um, what do you call it? In his second interview, he, he mentions, yeah. yeah, he mentions that, um, you know, that beings like ourselves, when we pass, we move on. It's not the end, right? right. Would that still be the same for a hybrid? Would they have the same I don't know. soul, spirit? I, I, I tell you one thing that a gray alien told a scientist, yes, we have a soul we the the, the greats um and that and, and and victor says that from his research and being with these beings that that we are all just vessels and 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 our energy and our spirit and our soul continues on to another vessel when this you know when our current vessel is no longer uh, viable for for living which i think is very uplifting and is very exciting that oh yeah our souls and our energy don't die it continues and to perpetuates and, and and to get it right and and again I am talking about what? Making the overall community a better community. What are we doing here as human beings? We're trying, according to the gray aliens and Victor and experts, we're trying to do it over and over again till we get it right and then move on into the beehives, be, you know, to help um, to help the universal community, you know, because when you're whacking somebody over the head at Target on Black Friday for a $10 toaster, you're not ready really to help the overall community. Uh, galactic community I'm joking <laughs> but i'm being serious <laughs> for sure I, I have i have one last question for you yeah and, and it's it's referencing to certain projects in the uh in the military and one of them you brought up looking glass uh, one that i had heard was stargate project stargate uh, are you are you familiar with that one i know that there's a i guess a cover story for what it is but then there's also like a backstory i don't know if it's similar to the one um I've heard two stories. I've heard one. It's very similar to like the show Stargate. There's a, a portal that takes you from place to place. And another one was that it was part of the Iraqi war and that it had to do with um, Saddam having alien technology. I don't know which one's true, if any. That's that's, that's the folklore that, that Project Stargate is. But Project Stargate um, was used... Um to perfect the looking glass project. And I really don't want to talk about looking glass anymore because I have for trouble, but yeah, <laughs> a, you know, uh, part and parcel. One of the reasons, one of the ancillary benefits of going into Iraq was to find and hunt down this su supposed, you know, uh, uh, device, um, which I asked people, well, why didn't Saddam Hussein use it uh, to take over the world and whatnot? And maybe he didn't even know about it. I, I don't know. This is all just conjecture, but all I know is project looking glass is real. Uh, pr to project somebody into the future is real. Uh, they have that technology. Um, and, uh, and I, and, and I've been told that they use the, the Stargate um, apparatus and the Stargate technology to, to perfect, um, you know, putting people into, into the future, which has been proven by physics could happen or can happen. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Jaime, do you have any more questions for John? Um, you know what? No, I don't, man. I just want to say, you know, thank you for coming on. Um, you're such a great, great guest, man. I learned a lot. And, um, you know, hope, hopefully we can get you back on here and, and talk a little bit more. I'd love to. Um, uh, I, I, I'd love to. Thank you for having me on. You know, whenever I'm asked great questions, I, I feel obligated to tell you that you guys ask great questions and it makes it so much easier to do these podcasts when people are engaged and taking the information seriously. You know, I, I again, I, I don't. 
not throwing, shoving this down anyone's throat. I just want people mm-hmm. to hear that I am the messenger. I am simply the investigator, and I t- I go where the where the where the information follows me, where the preponderance of information um uh, takes me. And um, there are some very we are living in some very 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 strange and bizarre times, and some very exciting times. And uh, and I I hope and pray for everyone out there that listening to me that uh, you will be safe and you will you will find your way and. And keep your eyes open, question everything. And and um, I think this is something that might bring the United States together because we're certainly ripping each other apart over fake things that don't even really matter or don't even exist and, and aren't really pertinent to us co- coalescing and living together um, in harmony. And I think this might be one of the things that might bring us together. And I, and I hope it goes in that direction. And uh, thank you both of you and your partner for having me on. I definitely will come back anytime you gracious enough to have me back on and, and God bless you and, and all of your listeners. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we'll definitely be having you back on. This is the uh, book I believe that is coming out in November. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Where will it be available for people to get straight to Amazon? Yeah. Straight to Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. If there's somebody like myself who may want a uh, signed copy, is there a way to get one? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm we're obviously going to have a website up once the book gets released. So, you know, um, I, I will be making available anybody that wants that. Um, they can, uh, you know, I can come back on here and give the, give the website, which has not even been created yet, but that is what we'll be doing for, you know, signed and personalized autographs of the books and stuff. So I will definitely share that with you, your gentlemen, when, uh, when the time comes, but uh, the very exciting stuff. There's not been a book that has compiled all five accounts of the second crash. Some of those accounts are almost ridiculously um, funny you know, as far as like their legitimacy, but you know, they were all by five people and, and there's never been a book that has compiled all of these stories and talked, you know, uh, uh, at length about the, the second event, the second crash, um, which landed 10 miles outside of Magdalena, New Mexico. And we believe that, it, uh, you know, from all the sources that the, the, the Roswell craft crashed with this craft and, um, and it was because of an electrical storm, um, and, and possibly a, a new radar weapon. Um, but nonetheless, there were two craft that crashed and one was found, you know, on July 8th by Max Brazel, the debris. And the second crash this what this book is about was found, believe it or not, two years later, because it was in such a remote plateau in 1949. So it's a really interesting book. I, I wrote it, uh, in kind of a, uh, novel narrative. So it would be interesting because, you know, a lot of this UFO stuff is hot sun desert and you know, it can be droll. <laughs> And uh, so I, I wrote, I think I wrote a, a, a narrative that doesn't make it, you know, completely crazy, but sticks to the facts and, and what I was told and, and whatnot. And I think people enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I can't wait to, to get my hands on it. You mentioned a uh, documentary earlier. Can you yes. uh, give us some information about that documentary yeah. that you have? For two know? years, I've been, uh, I've been uh, in, in contract uh, with a production company and, you know, chalk it up to Hollywood, but, um, you know, we are hopefully going to the sale process of actually selling this to like a Hulu or a Netflix right after Labor Day. I know I've been saying this for two years on podcasts, but we are queued up. We, the project hunting Victor, the worldwide hunt for the alien whistleblower, Victor, this project is teed up with this production company ready to go out so we can get the financing. So we can complete, we've got about 40 hours on tape. And so we can complete the filming and, you know, recreating the animatronic doll and, and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and, uh, not sure of the, the, the title, um, but you know, I've called my my portion of it my book that I'll write about it, Hunting Victor, and uh, it might be called Inside Area Fifty One. I'm not sure, but uh, when it comes out, I'm sure the media and myself will will let you know uh, when its release date will be. Awesome. And if it, awesome. and if this production company fails at it, I'm gonna, just going to take my own money and just shoot a Talking Head documentary. We're sitting at you know 
a warehouse and I'm just explaining the entire events as it took place, um, inter interspliced with B-roll and photos and a couple of other witnesses and stuff. And it'll be interesting too, but I hope that we can, you know, get the high financing from Netflix or Hulu or HBO and, and really put together a, a, a nine, 10 part series because my whole journey through this thing, and there's, you know, 60% I couldn't even talk about today because of time. Um, it, it's just fascinating and, and re-interviewing people that, that gave me all of this information and, 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 and then exposing who Victor is, which were, you know, one of two men. Well, I'm going to find out um, exactly when, uh, when the whole world finds out too. So it'll be exciting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I thank you for coming on before we let uh, you go. If you don't mind just telling everybody where they can follow you, your Twitter, your, you know, yeah, you know, things one of the things that I try to strive for in my investigation is not trying to sell anything. I mean, yes, I know I have a book out, so I'm kind of talking, being a hypocrite, but, um, but the book isn't about the Victor investigation. And, uh, so, but yeah, with the whole thing with Victor, I, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel. There's maybe a couple of videos. It's hunting Victor documentary. That's the YouTube channel. Um, but, uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore. I was to defend something and I'm not on Facebook. Um, and, uh, my, actually my account was actually hacked the hunting Victor account. So it's, that's, that's not even in, 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 in play anymore. Um, and so I would suggest if anybody wants to send me an email about this, um, specifically not about wrestling or anything like that, um, just email me. I I'm very good about returning emails and there is no one that can discredit me for doing that. I'm very good. You send me an email, you're going to get a return unless it goes in my junk mail. And that's my, my email address is my full name, John J O N without the H my middle name, Alan, A L A N and the last name, Stuart, like John Stewart, the comedian S T E W A R T at AOL.com. Shoot me an email. If you know something about this investigation, go ahead. If you have some criticism, you have some constructive things to say, well wishes, um, they mean the world to me. So I, I, anybody that wants to reach out and write me, I will certainly respond. Awesome. Yeah, he definitely does. He, uh, that's how I got in touch with John by email. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the, uh, this is the channel. I'll be putting this into the description. Uh, for those that want to follow the, uh, that's hunting it. Victor YouTube channel, he, he has great videos in here including the 1991 ET through projection thought projection interview as well. So you can catch that on your own and, and blow that up. Give him a like, follow and subscribe. Yeah. I want to thank everybody that has been a part, all our members and mods and subscribers. We appreciate you guys. And with that being said, y'all, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Peace out. Thanks guys.